Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Have you gotten your invitation to CanMed 23 yet? If not, then head over to canmedevents.com now and request your invitation. Yes, CanMed 23 is an invitation-only event this year due to the limited capacity of our new location, the Marriott Marco Island Beach Resort in Florida. That's not to say it's a small event. CanMed 23 will feature three full days of cannabis science content featuring more than 30 presenters and instructors representing our key focus areas of science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. And new for CanMed 23, we will also explore psilocybin and psychedelic mushrooms. Check out all the information at canmedevents.com now, and I hope to see you there. This episode, I talked with Cindy Orser and Pam Miles. Pam is the CEO and founder of Apothecare, a company that partners with scientists performing women's health research. Cindy is currently Chief Scientific Officer at Clip Labs, a cannabis testing laboratory in California, and she has more than 25 years of experience innovating technologies related to cannabis, human diagnostics, and even detecting bio-threat agents. As you will hear in the interview, Pam and Cindy met at CanMed 2019, which is a great example of how attending a CanMed event can lead to important professional partnerships. We talked about the work Pam and Cindy have done to understand how cannabis affects human microbiomes, specifically the vaginal microbiome, and what that means for women's health products. Other topics we discuss include why a healthy reproductive microbiome is important for women's health, the antimicrobial activity of cannabinoids, the lack of safety testing around women's health products, how cannabinoids affect the gut microbiome, and how bacteria communicate with the human body and affect mental health. Before we get to my conversation with Pam and Cindy, I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, Medicine Women Health. Medicine Women's team of specialists includes doctors, naturopaths, medical cannabis experts, nutritionists, and alternative health practitioners. These integrative teams evaluate health issues and design targeted protocols to promote personal healing. Medicine Women's protocols have successfully alleviated symptoms of cancer, autoimmune disease, and neurological conditions, as well as providing overall health rejuvenation. Learn more at medicinewomenhealth.com. Okay, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Pam Miles and Cindy Orser. Cindy and Pam, welcome and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Of course. All right, today we're talking about microbiomes, because if you didn't know, the typical human body is home to approximately 40 trillion microbial cells, which is roughly the same amount of human cells in the typical body. 
And many of these microorganisms are essential to human health and must be maintained with proper diet, hygiene, and lifestyle habits. So the question that we're going to explore today is how does cannabis affect our body's microbiomes? But first, Cindy and Pam, why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourselves and how you got interested in researching how cannabis affects the human microbiome? And I'll, and Cindy, we'll have you start. Okay. <clears throat> well, you know, I've been involved in the cannabis industry for the past nine years. Um, I've built out two cannabis testing facilities, uh, one in Las Vegas, Digipath Labs, and one in San Diego, Clip Labs. And during that time, I became aware uh, that some of the contaminants that are inherent in uh, growing cannabis, uh, mainly pesticides that uh, a lot of them are endocrine disruptors could potentially be a problem for certain uh, segments of the cannabis uh, consumer population. And so that was already on my mind about, you know, there's so little we know about this plant and yet it's so widely used and uh, THC and CBD are, you know, I consider them to be drugs. And then I meet Pam, whose interest is more not on the inherent contaminants in the cannabis, but how those drugs, the cannabinoids impact uh, the microorganisms that are part of the human microbiome. And so that got me thinking in a totally different way. And uh, Pam and I have joined forces and I'll let Pam talk about her company, Apothecare, and what we're hoping to do. Hey, thank you, Cindy. So uh, Ben, this is really exciting for me to be here because I'm going to tell you that the first time I was introduced to Cindy was at CanMed. Oh, great. <laughs> so Cindy was on a panel at CanMed and I heard her talk about, it was then, it was the vaping crisis. And she was talking about the work that she was doing at DigiPath and how her lab was able to take a look at some of these cartridges and analyze what was in them because they also had an R&D arm. And that's something that started my thinking process because I was looking for somebody to be able to test the cannabis products that I was actually making in my kitchen for the effect on the human microbiome, specifically the vaginal microbiome. So Rewinding back a little bit further to another CanMed guest that you have had, Dr. Brianna Cassidy. Mm -hmm. um, your, yep, so, so Brianna was the first person that I talked to about um, looking at how cannabis affects the vaginal microbiome. We are really interested in how cannabis at Apothecare can remediate pain, pelvic pain. And I started making these suppositories in my kitchen and passing them out to my neighbors, my friends, and my family members, but I wasn't sure if they were actually safe for use. I'm a little bit of a researcher by nature, so I was wondering, well, what is the effect that these are having on the body? I mean, I knew the folklore that they were effective, but were there any residual downstream effects? And there wasn't anything in the published medical literature or scientific literature to say what effects these had on 
um, the human body when they were vaginally administered? Like what were the circulating cannabinoids or did they affect the microbiomes? Um, so at that point, we started to look for somebody who could help us in a lab to determine if we found these microbials, could we take the cannabis, put that on the microbials and see what happened? And I listened to Cindy at CanMed. Uh, and at that point, CanMed was, they were focusing on the vaping crisis and Cindy was on a panel and she was talking about how her lab was able to take a look at the cartridges and what was in um, the vape cartridges because they had an R&D component to her lab. And I thought, hey, that's really cool. So I went back to Massachusetts where I spoke with Dr. Brianna Cassidy, who was at a Massachusetts lab and we designed a pilot study. And then unfortunately, Dr. Cassidy left the cannabis industry and went to Ginkgo Bioworks, but she had written some papers with Dr. Orser and together we approached her and asked Cindy if she would take up the mantle and proceed with the microbiome testing. And that's how we got to where we are today. Excellent. I always love to hear about CanMed connections because we always talk <laughs> about how it's a great place to go and, you know, <laughs> learn from other people in different sectors of the industry. So it's, I always like to hear um, firsthand that we were able to do that. So that's fantastic. So, so you did this pilot study. Tell me more about it. What were you testing and what did you find? Well, I'm going to let Cindy kind of lead in the science direction here. Basically, um, you know, I asked her to take a look at how products that were already on the market and then some CBD and THC and how they affected the four, which Cindy's now referring to as the sentinel bacteria of the vaginal microbiome. And she did. So I'm going to let her talk to you about what she first found and then how we morphed to something new after that. Yeah. So in the beginning, because this was kind of trailblazing work, um, we just established a very simple exposure study using the four prominent uh, lactobacilli species that are found in the vaginal reproductive tract uh, and, and looking and exposing them to various intimate care products. Uh, I call them legacy products. They've been on the market for decades as well as this whole new uh, swath of products that are coming out seemingly on a monthly basis uh, that contain <clears throat> CBD or CBD plus THC and some of the lesser cannabinoids as well because they're using, some companies are using broad spectrum. So, you know, we were just curious because there had been many reports of anti- microbial activity by cannabinoids. And we were just curious whether or not the inclusion of the cannabinoids in these products was impacting uh, the population of these healthy lactobacilli species. And what we found so far is that in fact, the cannabinoids are not impacting uh, the lactobacilli species. But there's obviously something in the uh, ingredients of some of these products that are detrimental and completely wipe out the lactobacilli. And the consequence of that is really shockingly detrimental to women's health. Um, it's difficult to reestablish these bacteria. 
if they're not there maintaining this low pH and populating the epithelial lining of the vagina, that allows other more uh, deleterious bacteria and viruses and fungi, and, uh, candida yeast, um, to become established in that epithelial tissue with dire consequences uh, from bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, and both of which turn out to be fairly chronic and reoccurring for women, but also it leads to inflammation of the tissue. Uh, and as you are probably aware that in many cancer models, inf inflammation is a first step to down that path. But surprisingly, also disruption of this normal uh, biotic environment uh, leads uh, to infertility, uh, poor outcomes in pregnancy, uh, endometriosis. Uh, so we believe that this isn't really a big issue that should be brought to the attention of the consumer of these types of products, um, but not at the expense of putting a negative light on use of cannabinoids for uh, say pelvic pain. Uh, so we feel like we've exposed a big area that is obviously under-researched and ignored as you know, human or women's health uh, has fallen into that category for some time. Um, so from our original simple screen of exposing under anaerobic conditions, we've gone on to develop a molecular assay. Uh, we partnered with a company I'd worked for before in Nebraska called MapMacore to develop our uh, platform. And now we have that for lactobacilli species and we're moving on to having developed it for Candida and we hope to add other pathogenic uh, bacteria and eventually look at viruses as well. Excellent. And so just to, just to circle back, if I, if I heard you correctly, did you find that the cannabinoids themselves were not disrupting the, um, you know, the good bacteria? Or is it, and it's some other component of these products? And do you know what that is yet? Um, yes, so that is correct to date. And I really want to make a caveat here that, as you know, there are many, many different formats that, um, uh, cannabinoid extracts come in, um, and we have not uh, tested broadly. Uh, we've looked at a couple different isolates. Uh, we've looked at CBD and THC individually. Uh, we haven't had the bandwidth yet to drill down and look at some of the other minor cannabinoids. We are looking at CBG right now. Uh, we would like to do that. And as you also are aware, dosing is is an issue. So uh, we feel like we have to go back and do some more expanded dosing studies to make sure uh, we haven't missed something. Um, but to date, our conclusion would be that it is not the cannabinoids that are the culprits. And, and we I are looking at some of the other specific ingredients. And I just wanted to even mention even another CanMed connection. 
because, uh, the hemp mine, Dr. Allison Justice, right? So, so um, we actually are, are working with her and sourcing some of our material um, from the hemp mine because it's also important to us that we are looking at the products and we know the source. So if there's anything that comes up in our studies, we can go directly to the grower and say, you know, so what do you think might be here that we're missing? Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that makes perfect sense. If you're talking about using, you know, broad spectrum products, um, as we know, there's, there's a number of different cannabinoids in various different concentrations and some very minor cannabinoids and small concentrations that we don't even really understand yet. So that is a bit of a, a bit of a Gordian knot that you need to kind of unravel to, to figure out what exactly is going on there. Right, right. Excellent. And so have you, are you also looking at um, like microbial testing re regulations around some of these um, vaginally administered products? Like I know, for example, that there are a few states that have specific testing requirements around that, uh, Colorado being one, as well as Oklahoma and um, Virginia. So in your opinion, are those sufficient? Would you um, sort of recommend other testing requirements around that? Yeah, yes. Actually, I would recommend other testing requirements because I think Cindy would agree with me that those requirements are looking at what's in the plant. We're looking at how the compounds, the ingredients interact with the actual microbiome. Mm. So we like to say that our testing is dynamic. And that testing is, you know, it, it, they're looking in a different way at something that's already in the plant and we want to see what the action is. So I absolutely would say that if, you know, we could do this, a very small organization that we are, <laughs> then some of, these, some of these larger organizations certainly could be testing their products for safety on um, all kinds of microbiomes. You know, I, I spoke this morning with a, with a woman who's very concerned about the urogenital microbiome and she suffered, not cannabis related, um, but she's been suffering from uh, UTIs for over two years that are basically one antibiotic after another, after another, after another. And so when people say that these products that um, lubricants or sexual serums is what we hear a lot um, are topical, so they don't need to be regulated because they're designed or washes, they're designed to come in contact with the body, but then wash off. There's not enough science to actually show what the outcome is when you use these products on a continued basis or what the duration is. I mean, we'd love to have all kinds of funds to be able to do these time studies in our lab, but what we're doing right now is what we can accomplish what, with the resources that we have. And we think we're, we're just at the beginning of looking at how um, topically or internally applied products affect the microbiomes of the reproductive system. Excellent. So yeah. So just to just to clarify again. So it's your your concern isn't so much about you know microbial contamination on these products affecting the microbiome. It's the active components themselves in the the cannabis, the cannabinoids that are you know that still need to be better understood. Well, it's, and it's not just the cannabinoids, it's the formulation, right? Because mm. these products come in various formats from uh, lubricants, uh, suppositories, uh, 
pain relieving um, salves. I, I mean, the, the and and there's really no requirement for revealing what the ingredients are. I mean, this is totally unregulated. Right. Unregulated. Um, most of these products uh, are uh, considered cosmetics. Uh, so even even the ones without cannabinoids. Uh, there's no regulation. They're cosmetics. You don't have to do any safety testing to get them on this shelf. Yeah, and I would say, Ben, that well, I think it needs to be both. I mean, certainly we're, we're concerned about something that, that is already contaminated with a microbial. You don't want to add something. And, and honestly, that's part of where, um, you know, in this industry, in the cannabis industry, there are there are kind of two lanes, right? There's a pharma lane, and then there's there's the adult use lane. And I think there's spaces for both. But I think that when we're talking about the reproductive system, we wanna make sure that everything's using good GMP practices and that the products not only are safe because they've been studied for their impact on the body, but they're also safe because we know that they don't contain something um, that's going to impact the body. Right. Yeah, and for me, it sort of all just comes back to this this kind of idea that cannabis isn't just for smoking anymore. Um, you know, there's any number of different ways that you can consume cannabis or products that are being infused with cannabinoids. And, you know, we don't fully understand how they're going to affect these different systems. Am I right? That's right. I mean, the endocannabinoid system itself is so complex. We don't even fully understand how it operates independently of the addition of phytocannabinoids. Um, it certainly overlaps and cooperates with a lot of other cell signaling systems. So it's different. It's difficult to uh, sort it out at an individual tissue or organ level. Um, but uh, you know there are many studies, most of them on the gut microbiome, showing that. Uh, if you have changes or disruption leading to dysbiosis, whether through taking antibiotics or probiotics, that it leads to behavioral dysregulation that affects emotions, anxiety, and stress, as, as well as pathological conditions. So it's, it's a trifecta. It's very complex. And uh, it's very naive for us to believe that uh, we're, we're not impacting uh, how that homeostasis is maintained in the body when we're stripping out uh, these sentinel bacteria. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'm glad you brought up the gut because um, I understand that the two of you are also researching how cannabinoids affect the, the gut microbiome. So. I guess, what do we know so far? And what is it that you guys are, are looking to investigate? Well, that's in the future. We're, okay. we're still uh, you know, working on the reproductive tract microbiome. Um, you know, for many reasons, it's, uh, it, it was how Apothecare was started. It's easier to work with. Um, but clearly the most uh, studies have been published on the consequence of disruption of the microbiota in the gut. And it's established the, uh, the gut-brain axis of the endocannabinoid system, 
uh, and most most of the convincing data comes from pathological states, so obesity, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There was a recent article that was very informative on that. Um, but it, it's really, the studies have been going on for a couple of decades. I think what's new is throwing in what is the effect of the, and in the animal model, they're usually animal models, uh, if, if they're consuming THC or uh, CBD, and, and certainly THC has an effect um, in studies that have been done in rodents uh, where they're fed THC uh, with or without a high fat diet that the uh, microbiota ratios change in terms of speciation and also the mice lose weight, uh, which is you know extremely appealing. Um, it's not completely clear what all is happening at the receptor level. Um, if you look at CBD, um, because CBD has this reputation as alleviating anxiety and inflammation, um, those studies are not as clear cut. Um, there are also differences in abundance of certain um, microorganisms when the animal is fed CBD, but it's harder to make that connection with a behavioral change if you're looking at anxiety. Um, but those studies are ongoing. They're just extremely complex uh, to carry out. And they're hard to do, as you know. I mean, research in this area, one of the reasons that Apothecare um, looked at commercial labs to do our work is because using university or um, institutional, like institutions like that, you know, if they're federally funded, it's very difficult. We all know the hurdles that people have been um, facing with doing research with cannabis for quite some time. And this seemed to us like the most um, effective and expedient way of doing the research is to go to a commercial lab that already had the capabilities to do R&D. And so that's why we chose that path at Apothecare. Excellent. No, and it's, I think it's important to remember. So, I, I mean, we know that cannabinoids, they have this antimicrobial activity, which I think a lot of people, myself included, think like, oh, that's a good thing, antimicrobial, like, you don't want that. But when you think about you know, the microbiome and how we need to have beneficial microbes um, in our own bodies to help carry out these processes, um, might not necessarily be a great thing. So it's something right. to consider. Yeah, yes, we definitely need a lot more studies. Um, also because now we know that uh, certain species in the gut actually are making their own signaling molecules <laughs> that then have a consequence on what's happening in the brain. I mean, there was a recent study of a, a peptide derivative uh, isoamylene or something made by a gut bacteria that they believe plays a role in memory retention in the brain. Um, and then in, in, in the case of the vaginal microbiome, I, I keep telling Pam that at some point we need to start looking at um, hormone levels and how the cannabinoids impact that because it, it is in the literature that the ECS uh, system interplays with estrogen 
which also has a very complex uh, uh, regulatory role and not only in reproduction, um, but also in brain development. And it's not limited to just females, it's also males. Um, in particular, uh, estradiol um, it plays a role in the expression of FA, the FAAH, which is the key enzyme that modulates the endocannabinoid tone in the body. So it's a primary actor in driving endocannabinoid signaling. And again, we don't really know how uh, chronic exposure to THC uh, or CBD affects this intricate play between estrogen uh, and the endocannabinoid system. And, and that's true. But, and, these, and these are the things that we really started to try to look at. You know, we, we did, prior to working with Cindy, um, I had been in contact with some researchers in Canada to look at how, if we introduce products vaginally, what, again, what the circulating blood levels would be. And we couldn't get those studies approved because you know, there were, it would be one of the first studies and they wanted to see more evidence that the products weren't harmful to begin with. So that's why we kind of started to do this, like maybe micro research, we could say, as we're looking at the microbiome. So because we can now say that the THC isolate and CBD isolate, we're pretty confident that those do not affect the healthy microbiota in, this, in, in the four bacteria that we are looking at, that that then gives us a, a lead to do these deeper studies and to maybe get funding from larger institutions like the NIH that are very interested in this as well. Because I do think, and I think many of us that have, have been on the adult use side of this believe that, that cannabis and cannabinoids can have a very positive effect on the human body, but we just wanna make sure we explore and are uh, known, knowing consumers of what we're using. Excellent. Excellent. All right. And so winding down here, because I see that our timer is, is counting down at the top. I don't okay. know if you guys can see that as well. Um, so before I let you go, I want to give you both a chance to um, tell the listeners about any additional resources that they can look at to, to learn more about this topic. I'd be happy to put them in the show description. And then Additionally, uh, if there's a way that they can connect with you, we can make some more CanMed connections, whether it's through social media or websites or anything like that. So please uh, plug away. Pam, go ahead. You're the social okay, so, media person. So, so uh, we, you can go to apothecare.com, which is our website. We do have a chart up there of some of the, some of the things that we have tested recently and those uh, contain both cannabis and non-cannabis. We, we don't list any products there because we are looking at the type of products that we're using right now. And then um, eventually we will start to list and name products, but right now we're just looking at the, the content. So be careful, consumer beware is what we're saying is be, be aware of what you're, what you're using. Um, you know, we are on Instagram at Apothecare and also Twitter. Um, and again, this work is nascent. We are in the beginning phases. So what we'd like to do is just raise awareness. We want people to kind of demand that their products are tested for those that contain cannabis and those that aren't if they're using them for intimate care. So that's what I would say is my, my big shout out is just to raise awareness, You know, start asking questions. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's a big consumer advocacy component to this. We would love to get the FDA's attention and require testing of these products before they end up on the shelf to show whether or not they're stripping out these sentinel lactobacilli species. Um, I'd also like to plug that um, Apothecare is in the Femtech uh, hub um, incubator round currently. So we are actively fundraising. We will be at the Women's Innovation Forum um, which is at the end of this month. And we hope to see CanMed include a panel discussion on this very uh, timely topic in uh, their uh, March, 2023 um, symposium. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. And hopefully that we can make that happen. And <laughs> of course, we'd love to have you you on there leading that and participating. Um, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and Ben, for Massachusetts, Florida looks really good. In yeah, yeah, I know. I'm up in Massachusetts as well. And so Florida in May, you can't beat that. <laughs> so again, Cindy and Pam, thanks again for joining me uh, on the podcast. And yes. With that in mind, I look forward to seeing you down in Marco Island next year. Okay, have a good day. Nice, nice chatting with you, Ben. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Pam and Cindy. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Medicine Women Health. Our next episode will drop October 12th. That's two weeks from today. In the meantime, please do check out the new and improved CanMedEvents.com. The team really did an exceptional job updating the website with all the information about our CanMed 23 event. And of course, you can still find videos of all the previous CanMed presentations and panels in the CanMed archive. You can also find all the previous episodes of the podcast as well. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for email alerts to get all the notifications around this innovative industry-leading event. I also invite you to engage with us on all our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for CanMed Events. And lastly, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Doing so really helps us improve our rankings and reach more listeners. All right, that's it from us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be sure to join us on the next CanMed Coffee Talk.